Hey everyone, the amazing Sophia Bush is back to discuss early relationships, her first date challenges, and how she knew she found the right guy to marry. After catching up, Sophia and I talk with Bailey, a listener who's falling out with a cousin seems to be spreading through her family. Our next conversation is with Carmela, who wonders if her relationship is worth saving despite the conscious or unconscious efforts of her boyfriend's parents to end it. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, please look for the link at unqualified.com. I would love to hear from you. All right, everyone, here's Sophia. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. How are you enjoying podcasting? And tell me about that experience. Honestly, I love it so much. And I have to say, you really inspired me. When I came to do your show and we bonded hard and fast, I just was like, wow, she's really doing it all. I mean, I I showed up, we were in your dressing room on the studio lot, and you were juggling your show, your pod, (laughs) a family. And I was like, wait a second. Some of the things that I love to do most, maybe I can do more. Maybe I do have room for this. Maybe I could add something to my plate and feel really fulfilled by it. And so thank you for that. You really, you gave me a swift kick in the ass. (laughs) I find it really rewarding. I find it more work than I think one would think. Yes. But I really love having this kind of intimate connection with both our guests and our listeners. I do too. I really like, I don't know, as a person who loves having deep conversations and I want to ask big questions, but in, you know, in social settings, that's not always appropriate. The podcast kind of gives me the container to be the most myself. And it's given me an incredible amount of permission to lean into things. Has it made you feel vulnerable in a good way or a bad way or both or complicated? In a really good way, I think, because contrary to expectation, perhaps because of people that I have played on TV, I am not really comfortable in a lot of social situations. I feel really awkward. I don't know how to make small talk. I constantly feel curious about how people meet people and then wind up chatting. I'm like, what do you text anyone? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so the podcast, interestingly, has made it okay to be a fan, to say to someone, oh, I've read so much about you and your work and have that not be creepy because it's my job. I have to prepare <laughs> for guests. Yeah, I don't know. It it takes away all my social anxiety in a very cool way. And then there are some days when I wind up having conversations with people and we're both crying, being like, oh God, how did this happen? What is this? You know, and, and I just find that so beautiful. It's nice. What is it for you? I think it's the same. The tricky thing is navigating the waters of how do I make this person feel comfortable? I would, you know, always want Mm. openness. But as actors, we're very used to being guarded because once you get burned, then it's like you just shrink right back into your shell and become very protective. I would say that that is, I think, the hardest part 
Yeah. Sophia, I was watching some interviews of you, and I was really impressed by your courage regarding your former work environment. Because when you spoke about actors, you didn't use the phrase being pitted against each other because of potential negotiation ideas. I heard that loud and clear. And I think it's amazing that you spoke Mm -hmm. about it and that you also realized it. Yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, I wish we had known in real time, obviously. And and I think there's even something that's really hitting me. You know, I went from a place that was unpleasant. (laughs) I had another work experience that was like just, you know, full on traumatizing. And what I've realized is there's a lot at play in these environments, whether it's casts mm-hmm. being pitted against each other or the size of the, the ship, if you will. You know, there's that idea you don't rock the boat. And I think especially what I've come to learn talking to so many of my friends on one of my former crews, people I really went to bat for behind the scenes a lot because they were getting mistreated as well. We've talked a lot about what's happening with IATSE, you know, the crews standing up. And, and I realized, oh man, mm-hmm. I've also, interestingly enough, stayed on set and taken it on the chin and stayed quiet in the moment. And then, you know, gone to the appropriate channels for help, which all turned out to be inappropriate anyway, because I couldn't imagine making the crew wait on me. I couldn't walk off set because it would screw up the day of 200 guys on the crew. They wouldn't get home maybe to see their kids before their kids went to bed. Maybe if we wrapped early enough, you know. And I think what I've realized for a lot of us, whether we're performers or crew members, is that the thing that is really good, the beauty and the potential of being part of a big work family can also be a thing that makes you Uh remain in something unhealthy for longer than you should because it isn't just about you. And so that is the thing that now I am learning to hold more space for as well. There was something I had to learn to hold space for that me and my girlfriends went through as younger women. And there is this whole other thing that now as an adult, I have had to learn to add and honor the complexity of. And it really is informing the way I'm going into my new job, my new show. And it has led to a lot of early conversations behind the scenes with my fellow cast, with all of my department heads, with my producers. I've realized that there's a lot of foundation we need to lay before we ever start shooting the series. That's so unbelievably impressive. I mean, I hope it works. (laughs) Good for you for having those conversations early on. Like, here's the tone. Here's what we want. Trying. Will you tell our listeners about when you first felt like you were in love and how old were you? Oh, man. I was always a hopeless romantic. I mean, I <laughs> I was so in love with a sweet boy in town named Matt when I was in the fourth grade. And I was so, so, so truly in love with my angelic high school sweetheart who'd been my best friend from summer camp since I was nine. A summer camp love. Yeah. That's like the outside world. Mm-hmm. And then we were officially dating when we were freshmen in high school. We dated through freshman, sophomore, and junior year and remained, you know, friends forever. So what happened? How did it end? I mean, we were just kids, you know, we were 16. It felt crazy to 
think that you would just stay in the same relationship. And so we didn't. And that's okay. You know, I think there's actually something that we seem to understand better now than we did when, you know, we were teenagers. But when you're in your teens and your early 20s, you're supposed to date. You're supposed to learn about people. You, you're supposed to learn what works for you and what doesn't and how sometimes you can really love someone, but that doesn't mean you have to be in love with them. That doesn't mean they have to be your person. I think for me as a hopeless romantic since forever, I always thought something had to be forever. I always thought it had to be a big deal. And it took me a long time to kind of break that cycle of expectation for myself, even just having dinner with someone. I actually gave myself a homework assignment to go on a certain number of first dates. Just recently? No, this was years ago. Just to say, you know, I'm a really adventurous eater. I love food. I love cuisine from all over the world. And I thought, what if I just gave myself the assignment to sit across from somebody and, you know, share a meal and have that be it? Just see what is interesting and what isn't without all the rom-com pressure that we've all mm-hmm. been raised in, like Disney fairy tale nonsense. And I I loved that. I think I think it's really healthy to be curious. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's almost like you're kind of speaking to the idea that instead of focusing on will we be accepted, will we be loved, like do you like me, do you like me, like transferring some of that energy to what do I like? Yeah. So how did it go? Great. So great. Can you tell us about like one or two ideas of these dates? Oh, yeah. You know what's so funny? I think I was able to take the pressure off also by thinking about it as a homework assignment uh-huh. because there's nothing sexy about homework, uh-huh. you know? And so for me, it was really nice to take the pressure off of also any kind of physical expectation because I think, you know, it's not rare or unique. Me, like so many women in the world, I have some real edginess around intimacy for my own reasons and my own experiences. And I don't know, nobody expects... By and large, anyway, nobody really expects anything of you in that department on a first date. So it's like job interviews. You're like, oh, no, we're definitely not going to kiss later, but that's okay. I don't want to. (laughs) And um, I went on some tremendously boring dinner dates that created friendships where it was so clear, like, oh, we're super into each other's brains. That's it. Should we do a project together? Like, can I set you up with a friend or vice versa? I mean, hilarious I wish I was a journaler because I think there's a great movie in this. Maybe I'll try to write it anyway. But I think for me, again, it was more about learning to lean into the energy of what inspires me? What do I desire? What makes me curious? What energy feels nice? You know when you feel like you can expand around a person or when a person's energy makes you contract. And that's a terrible feeling. Mm -hmm. I really had to make it about it's, it's, isn't it funny that I was about to say this sounds so selfish? And then I'm like, wait, it's not at all. 
I had to make it about me rather than about earning something from someone else. And how fun. Yeah. Yeah. How liberating. Yeah. When you really undo a lot of the cultural nonsense that gets placed on women. Like auditioning for a really like shitty project. (laughs) Yeah. Where you're like, I just got to get the practice. I got (gasps) to get the practice. I'm going to learn how to memorize lines so quickly. How old were you when you first felt like you were in love? I was like you. Like, I have these diaries from third grade, like, just page after page of I love Ryan Gervon. I love Ryan Gervon. He's the (laughs) fastest runner in Mrs. Simmons' class. And then I had my first serious boyfriend when I was 16, and it felt like a live wire. Mm. It felt thrilling. It felt like I was escaping what I felt like was a small town. It was a suburb outside of Seattle. And when he broke up with me, I was devastated. Oh, baby. Of course, later on, you realize that it wasn't about him. Mm -hmm. I didn't know him at all. And I didn't know myself either. Mm. And then I followed him to college and kind of reveled in that pain of breaking up. Yeah. The capacity to feel like that, I think, is really beautiful. And I do think, I guess I want to caveat this with you know, the systems that are bad for us as women. I'm going to refer to the binary since this is what I experienced, but I know there are lots of other experiences out there in the world. But in my lens as a, you know, woman who is engaged to a man, (laughs) there are so many systems that we grow up in as women that are really bad for us. Mm -hmm. And they're also really bad for men. Yes. These unequal systems of power are Yes, worse for the people not at the top, but deeply toxic even for the people at the top. And something that I found really helpful in getting to a healthy place as a woman in my romantic life, in my professional life, in my personal individual life with myself, was really about recognizing systems of harm and then choosing to also hold space for how much they harmed the people, even in control, to begin envisioning new ones, Mm -hmm. whether that's out in the world for society or even just in the traditional dynamic of a relationship, it has offered me a view into the creativity of new possibilities. That is really beautiful. Sophia, I didn't know you were engaged so much for all my research. You're out there living a life, having a time. I get so excited when I don't know something about someone or vice versa. I'm like, look at us. We're still just being people, having things happen to us in real time. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's great. I want to talk to you about your engagement. And our first caller is dealing with some wedding issues. Mm. So for how long have you been engaged? And do you get annoyed when people ask where and when it's happening? No, it's funny. It's only been a couple of months for us. But it is really interesting when people who I don't know are like, where are you getting married? And I'm like, I don't know how to politely answer this question because I am not going to answer this question for you. Like, yeah. where and when? Like, what? When, you know, my friends ask me and we're not publishing the answers to the world, I love to talk about it. But it is, it's really funny where I'm like, ah, how do I duck and cover from this moment with this stranger who is clearly being nice, but I don't want to tell you any of that information, you know, that's, that I think is the kind of funny part. Will you tell us what qualities in your fiance do you love and made you feel absolutely secure? He is 
The steadiest person I know. I love that so much. Yeah. And kind and wise. I mean, (laughs) the level of study, the five degrees that I framed to put on the wall in our office, which are all his, impressed me endlessly. And his concern for the world. I mean, one of the master's degrees that Grant holds is in environmental science. He taught in the Rampart District in LA, taught elementary school kids for three years, not long out of college. He is a giver and a helper. And it's very interesting to be around a man who is as capable and accomplished, who has no ego about needing to be paid attention to. It's very rare. I feel like you're describing my husband as well, (laughs) Michael. But how did you two meet? Oh, gosh, it's funny. We met 10 years ago. And we met in a country where neither of us lives on a trip with a huge group of friends. And we nerded out about environmental work. And we were just friends. There was no flirtation. There was no nothing ever which is why when it kind of hit us both in the back of the head, we just started laughing. All of our friends, we have so many mutual friends who just were like, oh my God, that makes all the sense in the world. How did we never see it? And the two of us were like, how did we never see it? That (laughs) is amazing. I know, it's so funny. And it, it works out, you know, really beautifully. I realize I've taken some really great lessons in my life through friendships. I mean, it's weird. I've not thought about the parallel until we're having this conversation today. But even the fact that my first real romantic love was my best friend from the age of nine, there's something I think that you cultivate in a friendship with someone. It's a different kind of trust. It's a a different kind of understanding and emotional safety and Being in our relationship, I realized how much I needed that and honestly deserve it. I'm like, yeah, I deserve this. This is great. (laughs) My therapist would say, we don't speak about deserving. There's nothing you can do to deserve, good or bad. And I'm like, okay, okay, I hear you. So if Lori's listening, yes, I I heard you, but it still feels nice to say I deserve this. (laughs) Fuck yes. Okay, Sophia, how do you feel about talking with Bailey? I feel great. I feel like you and I are in these really beautiful moments in our lives, and this might be a really good time for us to give advice. Let's find out. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
Hi, Bailey. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. And Sophia is just rad. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So I used to be very close with my cousin. Spent probably every summer out there from 12 to 21. Where's out there? Like Boston, New York area. And I live in the Midwest. So you would go visit every summer and hang with your cousin for the summer? That's formative. Yeah. So we were very tight. I'm the godmother of her kid, was in her wedding, and we had a falling out at my brother's wedding because I had to tell her that her child was not invited to the wedding, even though she brought him to the, like, weekend. So your brother's getting married, and he says, like, no kids. Says no kids. I was like, yep, I'll step up. I'll handle this. No problem. Let her know was like, we'll try and find you a babysitter or like figure out some plans. She didn't really like it, said some mean things about my brother. So I said like, okay, I'm going to give you some space. My mom has had struggles with her sister because our relationship isn't as close anymore. And so my mom told me like, hey, fix this. So I have tried to kind of reach out on birthdays, anniversaries. When the sisters get involved. Yeah. Oh, boy. So I recently just got married and got a response back from her saying, no, we're not coming to the wedding, but like, didn't give me a message or like, send me a text like, hey, sorry, we kind of wish we could make it, but we can't. And I felt like physically hurt by this and like anxiety stuff going on. And I was like, whatever, I'll just wait. And now I'm confused about like, do I bring it up to my cousin about how hurt I was? Or do I say, hey, relationships happen. Sometimes they die out and that's okay. Bailey, I want to go back a little bit to your brother's wedding. Yeah. So with that falling out, was there a definitive moment or exchange where things got heated? And what happened? I mean, I reached out and just said like, hey, I just want to let you know, like my brother's wedding He's not having kids there. So like if we need to find babysitters or anything for you, like, please let us know. And she responded kind of aggressively saying like, what a terrible person my brother is. And so like, I was hurt by that. And so I was like, didn't want to engage with her. And so during the wedding, I didn't really seek her out, even though most of the time we would spend the whole time together. And Bailey, did that make you feel lousy at his wedding? I mean, I was still able to have fun, but yeah, it's never fun when you're around people that you have a strained relationship with. And we have like family weddings coming up in the future, and I don't want it to be that strained tension feeling. And so I don't know how to move forward with this relationship. Oh, man. Okay. Her behavior just seems illogical to me. Sophia, what do you think? Yeah, I've really been struggling with how to voice this, but it's not appropriate for anyone who is not in the couple getting married to tell the couple getting married how their wedding is supposed to go. It's not appropriate. And I would understand the upset had your brother said, oh no, just Sarah's kid isn't able to come. That's not what he said. He said, blanket rule, we don't want kids at our wedding. And that's their prerogative. If they want to throw a dance party that turns into a rave that goes till 5 a.m., that's their prerogative. (laughs) Like. And so I understand that that can be a little wounding, but I guess where I'm really struggling is with this decision to like 
Like, why is that the hill that she wants to die on? Yeah. And like, maybe she didn't mean anything bad by like not showing up to my wedding, but it just felt like a kind of stab of I'll go to other cousins' weddings who I don't even talk to, but I'm not showing up to yours. Can I ask a question that takes the weddings out of it a little bit, but that's more about your relationship? Mm -hmm. Is it fair to say that prior to this incident, this cousin was one of, if not your best friend? Yeah. Oh, man. So I think what's really interesting and, you know, Anna and I were talking earlier about how sometimes a lot of time can go by where you don't really know the truth. Like we were discussing a a situation I was in where some of us as young women were pitted against each other and we didn't know because we didn't think grownups would do that. So we left a lot of things unsaid for a long time. And what bums me out about your situation, and I hope I'm not projecting, but it kind of feels like She took something to mean something else. You've taken her responses to mean something she hasn't said. And now everyone involved is carrying beliefs about each other that feel signaled to, but perhaps are all actually unconfirmed. And I I hope that we can help you figure out a way to get under the, this person might think this, and into something else. I'm interested in your mom and her sister. Mm, That part. Yeah, because it feels like this is either fueling something or it certainly isn't helping. Bailey, will you speak a little bit about that? Like, what is their tension like now? And does your aunt place blame on you or your brother? Or are you getting any of that input at all? Yeah, so like my mom's sister is the oldest in the family. My mom's the youngest. My mom is very much like the caregiver. She takes care of my grandma while like my aunt lives out of town. And so I think there's some strain of like my mom feeling that she needs to do all this work and keep the peace when, yeah, I think there is some blame of, hey, tell your brother that my grandson's a good kid and he should be able to come to the wedding. And so there was a little bit of that. I think that's why my mom kind of talked to me and said, I need you to fix this because like it's ruining my relationship. And since she's such a peacekeeper, like I recognize that in myself. Although it's not always healthy, like we are very much, we want to keep the peace. Yeah, you called us about this. You know, I think that's such a wonderful quality. It does put you in a vulnerable position frequently. And it also puts you in the position of having to be the bigger person, and extend all of branches. But it's a really great quality, Bailey. Yeah. And so like my cousin's nine years older than me. And so for a while struggled with like, why do I have to be the big person? Let me be petty. I'm like, ugh. But now I'm kind of like, okay, if I'm going to fix this, because I don't see her reaching out to fix this, how do you even like start that conversation of like, hey, I think we were both hurt. I want to move forward. I have a couple of ideas, and I bet Sophia does too, but I do want to ask you, in your letter, you wrote that you got married during COVID and then you're going to have a big wedding. Yeah, so we had a tiny wedding of just like our wedding party and our immediate family, and it was perfect. And then just last weekend, we kind of had everybody come to where we live now and had an outdoor, indoor reception. Oh, gotcha. And she didn't come. Although her mom did. 
maybe it was COVID related and she's not feeling comfortable traveling, but it would have been nice to like have that communication of, hey, we're kind of nervous about COVID. Yeah. Instead of you searching for where my mind can go with like, here's all of the excuses she could have of why she didn't come. Because all of this feels a little illogical. I was thinking, but were her feelings hurt because of the small wedding, which in my opinion would still be illogical anyway. I think sometimes people choose to be offended and choose to have their feelings hurt a little bit. It makes me think that there is or was something else. You know, there could be some slight that you don't even know about, Bailey. Sophia, what do you think? I certainly see that. I mean, I kind of swallow that pill after a point, you know, when I was working and realized like... Oh, you don't have time and your friends are like, where are you? Well, yeah, that there was a lot of weird energy and I was like, well, okay. So it was a season. It wasn't a lifetime. But you mentioned her son. Did you say he's your godson? Yeah, I'm his godmother. Yeah, like that's a big deal. And... I hear what you're saying too, Anna, that maybe there was something she was upset about that she didn't voice, and this was like a trigger. And you get like the moms involved too. Yeah. Stirring up, like whatever, like their involvement is too, that's muddying the situation. Because they have their own issues. Sisters have their own (laughs) shit going on. Yeah. But I don't mean to be rude, but this just sounds so unbearably petty. First of all, you got in trouble for doing a favor for your brother. It was his wedding. It wasn't even your wedding. So you got punished for his wedding. You got punished at your own wedding. I'm honestly really (laughs) pissed off at all these people for you. Like, I'm really irritated. This, This feels, it's like, what are we doing here? And again, at the end of the day, if your brother and his spouse did not want kids at their wedding, that's their prerogative. It's nobody's business to judge it. So that's fact number one. And so getting my anger out about this on your behalf, I will say that if I had to approach this, anger is not always the best place to come from. And people get very defensive when they're met with angry people. I wonder if there isn't, and I'm spitballing here, a version of saying, hey, you have been my best friend since I was 12 years old. I am the godmother to your child who I love deeply. I've been carrying around a lot of hurt that because I was asked to help my brother on his day where it is all about him and it does get to be his preference no matter what, my feelings or your feelings don't come into play on his wedding day. I feel like I got in trouble for serving his needs and now I feel like I'm being punished And I don't think we used to be like this. I don't think we used to be people who punished each other. We've always been people who love each other. And I still love you. And I want to get back there. And I'd like us to be able to talk because now I'm in this position where I'm taking everything personally. Maybe you didn't come to my wedding because of COVID, but part of me feels like you didn't come because you're still mad at me about a wedding that wasn't even mine. And I I don't want that. I don't want to be suspicious of your motivations. And maybe you're upset about things that I don't know, or maybe you've taken something personally that wasn't personal either. But now we're in a position where we're not communicating. And I would imagine that if my mind is going to the worst case scenario, maybe yours is too. And I hate that for us. I want us back. I want us to be a family again. I think you can be very vulnerable and very honest and also bring the temperature down with the acknowledgement of something that's true for you both. 
we didn't used to be like this. It's not, I'm pointing fingers at you. It isn't that. It's just like, I want us back. I love you. (laughs) I know. I know. This hurts you. Yeah. That was so beautifully said. And like, I think coming from the spot of, I don't want to make her more upset. Yeah. I want to move forward and like figure out how do we overcome this because it it is family. I'm like, family's always going to be there. And you, you miss her. I wonder if before that conversation, I wonder what you guys would think about this. Bailey, maybe you send her something that is sentimental and kind of humorous from your childhood. If there was like a sports team or like something, I don't know what you guys used to do over the summers, but if there was anything from that time period, nothing extravagant at all, or even a photo, any gentle like reminder of the importance that you guys Mm. had in each other's lives during that time. And then maybe write a short letter to start. Basically, just write down everything that Sophia said. I'll probably do that once the podcast comes out. (laughs) (laughs) But I wonder if like the initial reach out is through like a letter that is pretty just open and simple, like not necessarily going into specifics in any way. Just, I love you so much. And I think about these times and I really miss talking to you frequently. And please call, you know, if and when you feel like it or whatever. It's a lot of olive branch though, Bailey, you know? So I think any reasonable person that has spent time with you to that degree, I think the door will always be open. I think that for some reason she feels kind of shoved Maybe there's other shit going on, and maybe she's very comparative, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I think gently opening the door with that, and then be patient. And if you don't hear back, maybe at some point call her. Maybe there's something going on in her life that you don't know about. I think it's a great instinct, Donna, because if you were to send a card or, you know, put some of these thoughts in a letter, you can't reread a phone call. Yeah. But you can sit with a letter and really... People need that time. Yeah. And then reread it and go, oh, wow, the thing I'm reacting to isn't about Bailey. It isn't, you know, it might be the thing that lets her put down armor she's put on for whatever reason that doesn't make any sense to you or any of us. Well, it also like gives me the opportunity to not get in a defensive mode when she reacts over the phone. Exactly. That's another thing I'm worried about. It's so wise that you recognize that. Because she may go on the attack because she may be angry about other Mm -hmm. things. It sounds to me like there's something, which I'm not suggesting you need to get to the bottom of it because it's all a bit irrational. But in order to maybe move forward, to have like a good relationship with her, and and it probably will all come out if she accepts the offer. How close are you with her mom, the aunt? I mean, randomly, I'll get emails and stuff, but. Not as close. And like my mom is also, well, since all of this has happened, has done a really good job of like maintaining her boundaries with her sisters and like advocating for herself, which has been really nice because she's pushing back 
I'm happy my mom's getting to a better space of communicating what she needs versus just doing things to make others happy. I think that's awesome. But I do think a side effect of that, of your mom being the youngest sibling, suddenly creating like strong boundaries that she wants to maintain and is awesome for her, the relearning of that can trickle Mm. down. I totally suspect your aunt is behind some of this stuff. I really do. But I don't know. I'm unqualified, (laughs) Bailey. Yeah, I think... It certainly doesn't help. Well, and it feels so pointed. And I understand where your instinct comes from there, Anna, because for your mom to call and say, you got to fix this, this is being talked about. This is causing tension in that arena, which feels weird. You're like an innocent bystander, Bailey. Yeah, like, what's happening? Yeah, family dynamics are hard. (laughs) I still think there's value in maintaining the relationship. If you do, then I do too. I really do. You know, you miss this person a lot. And you're probably not comfortable with things not being settled. Yeah. So my advice to that end, though, is timing and patience. Would you think about like maybe sending her something and a letter? Yeah, I think like if I found some photos from when I was out there with her, like, and just say like, hey, I found this. Yeah. I've been thinking about you a lot lately. Hope you're doing okay. I would be a little more vulnerable, Bailey. Okay. I would send something physical mm-hmm. to her as opposed to an email. This is going to be a pain in the ass. You have to go to the mailbox. <laughs> no, I'm a big fan of sending but... mail, so that is not a problem for me. Oh, good. Okay. I would be vulnerable. I would say, I just miss you and I love you so much. And I thought about you so much at our reception and I really want to be close with you. And then kind of keep it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the more vulnerable you can be, the better. And I just keep coming back to that idea of we didn't used to be like this. And it's like, I can't imagine how hard it was for you to get married without her there. Yeah. That was probably a really big loss. And I think you can share that. And Bailey, an interesting idea might be calling your aunt and saying, hey, if you have any advice of like how I can be close with her again, even if whatever your aunt says, it will get back to your cousin. You know what I mean? That you reached out, that you really like want to have a relationship again. I think that's a good idea because I think that will put an olive branch out to my aunt that like I might not be the person that my cousin may have betrayed me as. Totally. I also like am concerned about incorporating my aunt because I don't want my cousin to think that I'm like trying to play her mom, just like how my mom got into it. And like, for a while, I was really hurt by my mom, like not taking my side and like listening to me and how she blamed me of like, you need to fix this. Mm. Oh, God, the pressure's yeah. on, Bailey. It, it is. And I gotta say, like, whatever the BS is between your mom and your aunt, I'm also pissed off at because your mom should have been like, this is ridiculous. He gets to make decisions for his wedding. Get over yeah. it and like put the kibosh on the whole thing. I don't, I don't love this. Well, and this is like six years going. So. Oh my God. Wait, the, this wedding was six years ago? Yeah. Wow. This is where if she doesn't reach out, like if she's not generous 
and you leave the conversation feeling like shit, this is when you evaluate, okay, is this person, I know this person is family. Yeah. And family will always be important to me. Is this person fulfilling what I need as an adult now? Yeah. So you'll be able to evaluate that. I would try to find like photos or something that's like reminiscent of those times. I would send her a short, heartfelt, Mm -hmm. I miss you and I love you letter. Yeah. I would wait like a week and a half and maybe call her aunt and just say, hey, I reached out to Sarah and I haven't heard anything back. It's important that she knows that I love her. And then you've done it. I mean, it's unjust is what it is. And if your goal is to see if this is a friendship that could be as strong as what it once was, you'll have to be a little patient. Mm -hmm. The context of the six years is a real gut punch. That's a long time for people to make decisions about other people's motivations, you know? Yeah. And my hope is that this will begin to build the bridge. But honestly, like, there might be a night necessary where it's like, we're not doing this anymore. And you and your cousin and your mom and her mom sit down and you're like, we're opening a bottle of wine. Let's just air it out. Yeah. I've seen people like, that's a thing my therapist calls a purge. <laughs> She's like, purges are not, they don't have to be about anything real. Yeah. But it, like, if eventually the four of you sat in the room, and by the way, it can't be the first step. It'll be a disaster. Yeah. But eventually, if, if you guys begin building, it's like, okay, I think we need a forum to say, I've been carrying around this belief that you did this for this reason. And then you can look at that person and say, what are you doing? No. Oh my God, I would never. When you didn't call me back, I thought. And you guys can hopefully laugh about it. That's like, that's a little more of an advanced level thing, but it might require that many stages of work for all of you to, to heal this because when a rift exists for so long, it gets filled and filled and filled and filled with junk. But I think that this can be your first step at pulling some of that junk out and beginning to heal this thing. And you will, I mean, Anna's right. You'll see if it's worth it. You'll see if she's willing to meet you there. Yeah. And I think also like understanding that it might take another few years and that's okay. Yes. So Bailey, how do you feel? Honestly, this was super helpful. Like I think it gave me the like words to use So that way I'm not coming from a place where it's feeling harsh and like blaming. And it kind of gave me some steps of, hey, here's an entryway. Here's how to expand on it. Here's how we can grow from there. Which I think I was feeling really stuck on. I felt hurt. How do I let her know that? And getting stuck right there. Yeah. God, that's really insightful, Bailey. Mm. So thank you. I'm hopeful for you. I really Mm -hmm. am. And also like understanding that it has been six years. We need to deal with this and not just keep swiping it under the rug. I think we'll also help. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all of your help, Anna and Sophia. Yeah. Well, Bailey, thank you for being vulnerable and for sharing. I mean, I'm literally like sitting here starting to take (laughs) notes because I want to think more about this. This stuff isn't easy. And, you know, nobody gives us a handbook for vulnerability, for healthy communication, for ways to undo, you know, rips. But rips can be repaired. And I I really hope that getting on a Zoom with us two <laughs> weirdos helped you no, begin, you know. Did. It's fucking noble. And it will require that, yeah. though, you know. 
Yeah. I'll listen to some Lizzo before I write the note to pump myself up that I can be (laughs) a confident woman. You are 100% that bitch. You're going to do this. (laughs) Thank you. Have a great day. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, Carmela. How are you guys? Hi. How are you? Great. John Tucker Must Die is one of the greatest movies of all time. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, and Anna, I'm such a huge fan of yours too. I live by your book. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much for your you. letter. And I want to get into it. This is a big one. It is a big one. So uh, long story short, like pretty much my whole life, I've been very career focused. Like I was never the type of girl to go out with guy after guy. I, I rarely have had a boyfriend in my lifetime. I mean, um, just a few here and there just because, like I said, I've been so focused on school, work and everything. And I'd like to think it's paid off. I mean, I'm an actual fucking scientist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, um, we need you now more than ever. Exactly. With all the climate change stuff going on, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm at the frontier of it. But uh, yeah, like I was saying, I'm I'm an actual scientist. I became a college professor at the age of 25. I've been lucky enough to travel all over the world. And I have a master's degree from one of the best universities in the country. So I think, you know, the fact that I focused more so on like academics and work and everything has done me well. But uh, like I said, I haven't really had many boyfriends in my lifetime my last boyfriend died in a car crash about seven years ago. Oh. Yeah, it's been it's been rough to say the least. And um, like I said, super independent, a real loner. And about two years ago, I met this guy. And long story short, I got a new job. And one of the requirements was a driver's license. And as a New York City girl, I've never had to drive before. <laughs> So I actually had a lesson one day and he was the instructor and that's how we met. That's really romantic. (laughs) Like that one hour lesson, we were just bullshitting the whole time talking about everything, um, which probably explains why I suck at parallel parking. But hey, (laughs) and um, 
I'm gonna preface this like kind of content for the whole story is he's 12 years older than me. So right now I'm 30, he's 42. And I that's part of the reason why I was like considered it to be a good decision to go out with him because throughout my 20s, especially when I hit 25, I started panicking. I'm like, okay, great, I got the career. Wait, I need the husband, I need the kids, you know, like. I don't know if that's my biological clock or just my old school Italian mentality kicking in. But uh, yeah, I I met him and I was very glad that, you know, he was older. I figured I would avoid all that drama of guys in their 20s by dating somebody older. But it was a pretty um, calm and cool relationship when we first started. There was no games, no nothing like that. We'd work all week and then we'd spend our weekends together. And I was like super convinced that this was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I've never been so sure of anyone in my life. Like I was literally running around telling people that I had found the one just a week after we started going out. And I met his family several times and they all seemed great. His mom and I, we were super close. Like I considered her to be like one of my best friends at one point. Like we were going out to coffee together and we were only dating for like a few months when this situation happened where his family basically sold their home that they were all living in before their new home was ready. So they were all essentially displaced. And he ended up, I had to like uh, do a big ask and uh, work things out with like my folks and see if, hey, could he like live with us for a little while? Long story short, the pandemic hits. So a few weeks turns into nine months of him living basically with me and my brother and my mother in this in this house. I mean, I have a pretty good setup here, but um, just adding in an extra a body, it's it's a big deal. That's diving into the deep end. Yeah, and we were good those nine months, and I mean, he never really had to worry about anything. To put it plainly, like everything was pretty much taken care of for him. My mom was super cool with it because her thought process is my daughter's happy. My daughter seems happy with this guy. I'll allow him to stay here. She didn't ask us for any rent money or anything of that sort. And then um, I wasn't part of the original plans to move into this big house that him and the rest of his family were moving into. But after him and I living together for nine months, it seemed to be like a good idea. And pretty much I moved into this home with his family and I was running out of there after the three month mark. Because I, I think I learned from this whole thing, you don't really know somebody until you live with them. But once I moved into that home, things completely changed. Like, uh, I tell people I realized once I moved into that apartment, that there were three people in my relationship. It was me, Calodro, and his mother. I kid you not, I would have conversations with her where she would say to me, reminding me almost, I'm his mother. Yeah. And she would constantly remind me that I'm not his wife, that I'm just his girlfriend. Interesting. And because of the pandemic, he wasn't working as much. So I was like financially supporting him. And these people wanted me to financially support them too, to top it all off. Meaning they wanted you to pay rent? Yes. They were more than aware that their son couldn't foot the bills, but they had no problem taking money out of my hands. And they, they had no problem. Like I can never do enough for these people. I realized because I was constantly running errands for them. Like I'd be in the middle of working and all of a sudden they would ask me to go to the store for them and make a copy of this, uh, 
like send the mail out, things of that nature. And they even asked me to shovel the snow. And that's where I drew a line. I was like, my big thing was, yo, you're the man, you shovel the snow. I'm not dealing with this. And like, the thing is, like I said, he was all comfortable at my place. And my parents treated him like he was their own. They didn't ask him for anything. Meanwhile, in our apartment, which looking back on it now, I consider it a downgrade. We didn't have a washer and dryer there. If I were to ask his mother, hey, can I please use your washer and dryer? She would look at me like I asked her for a kidney. And whenever they did manage to help me with anything, they would end up like throwing it in my face. And you had like the perfect storm of stress. Yeah. Like between pandemic, people moving People, like, financially insecure. Yeah. As your relationship is still growing. Yeah. You know, we we jumped into this pretty quickly. And like I said, things kind of just kept going downhill from there. Like, I, I kid you not, there was this one day where things really took a turn for the worse. And I was like, I got to get out of here. There was this one Sunday where I think it was his mother texted him and said, oh, come up for family dinner at, like, 3 p.m., He didn't want to go. He didn't even bother mentioning it to me. Tell me how these people turned it into. She's trying to tear this family apart. She's jealous of your (sighs) sister-in-law. You were getting like the blame. Yes. This is crazy. So Carmela, wait. Okay, so you moved out. Yeah. After how long? How long did you live in his parents' house? So I, I moved in like pretty much beginning of December and I moved out a week after my 30th birthday, end of March. Okay, so you lived with him for three months. He lived in your parents' house with you guys for nine, nine months. Yes. yes. So you guys lived together for a year. Yeah. With parents. And you had been dating for three months before you moved in together? Right, yeah. So 15 months of a relationship, and you move out because living at his family's house is nuts. Yeah, exactly. Did you end the relationship when you moved out? That's the thing. Like, I was so disgusted with everything. And my family, you know, they've seen it through. Like, my family, my friends think that I deserve so much better. And everyone thinks that Uh I should just move on. But me being the hopeless romantic that I am, I want to work things out. He wants to work things out. But I'm in this position where I feel like I can't even be in, like, the same room as these people. Okay, Carmela, it's almost really tough to gauge this relationship and the potential of it because of your extraordinary circumstances. Right. Of course, there's hope, you know, if you both want to work it out. I feel like there is hope here only if there are boundaries with the family. I'm so pissed about this. Like, I'm boiling angry. I am so pissed off right Oh, thank you. Maybe it's because I come from a big East Coast Italian family and I'm mm-hmm. like, I know exactly the place you're talking about. I know the, exactly the type of house you're talking about with the basement apartment. Yeah, I yeah. know what we're talking about. Yeah. Like I can hear it coming out of my voice. I'm like starting to sound like my Aunt Jo. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I love it when someone else is angry on your behalf. Doesn't it feel <laughs> oh, great? I'm that friend for sure. If there is to be a future for the two of you, the future of a relationship, a couple, it's a unit. Right. It is, in the best case scenario, an eventual family. Yeah. Which needs to be respected. Right. You have not been respected by this man's family. That's the thing. Like, I feel like I sound like such a freaking gangster, much like you. Like, Like, I'm not being respected. Respect matters to me, you know? And here's the thing. 
if he wants a future with you, yeah. he has to do the work of setting boundaries with his family. Right. And one of the best ways to do that is math because math is unemotional. <laughs> and to look at the nine months of not an ounce of a financial contribution in your home, what would the rent have been for half of the basement apartment in your parents' house? Oh, about a grand. Great. So we're starting with $9,000. What does it cost monthly to send your laundry out to a service? Because that's yeah. what you had to do at his house because yes. they wouldn't let you use the washer. Mm-hmm. Your mother did this man's laundry. He's 42 years old. You are employed. How much money are you making? He's not making any money. What are the utilities he's not contributing to? What like... This is absurd. The fact that his family had the nerve to ask you for rent money after your family let him live rent-free for nine months, Uh I'm insulted. And his reversion as well. Mm -hmm. He reverted to being the child that he was, and that's why he doesn't want to shovel the snow. (laughs) And the the fact that when you guys were living in his parents' house, you were employed and he wasn't. Yeah. He should have been running the errands for his parents. He should have been going to the post office. He he should have been doing the work of a PA, because that's what they were asking you to do, is be their personal assistant. Yeah. He should have been doing the work as the PA of his family in kind for his lack of ability to contribute financially. I get if you have fallen on hard times. Right. So much of the world yeah. did last year. But you can contribute to a family unit in ways that have nothing to do with money. But the fact that there was never an issue for him to not contribute a dime. And then you were asked to contribute monetarily is so wildly inappropriate. Right. And Carmela, he was living with his family when you guys met, yes, right? Yes. Okay. And then moved in with your family because his family sold their house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am like, I am hot under the collar. Oh, literally, I'm sweating. Man, well, your anger makes me feel better about everything. Because <laughs> you're not crazy. Yeah. I especially don't like the comment, well, you're not his wife. It's gross. You're being bullied. You're being blamed. Yes. And so if you're going to have a future with this guy, what this guy needs to do is sit his family down and be like, her family basically gave me $15,000 last year to live. Why would you guys ask her for money? Why would you do? We don't need it. We just bought a new house. Like, where is he standing up for you? Where is he setting a boundary for you? Where is he saying to his mom, do not talk to my girlfriend like that? Don't tell her she's my girlfriend and not my wife. It's rude. Yeah. Where is he proving to you that he deserves to be your partner? Because until he does, I don't know how you're supposed to keep showing up. You're not being shown up for. Right. And that's the thing, like he would stand up for me, but he would stand up for me in the worst possible way because these people like to just yell at each other and fight. So he would, you know, yell at them and fight. Oh boy. Mm. All right. This is tough too. That's a lot. That's a dynamic I wasn't aware of yet. Wow. And yeah, like I said, he would defend me, but he would just defend me in the worst way possible. And I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, like, and it's funny that Sophia, you brought up like the fact that I'm not crazy because honestly, these people were trying to convince me that I was. It is so hard to be in a relationship where you feel like, am I rational? I thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you're being gaslit. Yeah. Exactly. That's hard. That makes you feel like you're nuts. You know, and it's funny because I have a, a friend who's a social worker and I was telling her the whole scenario and she's like, they just want somebody to be mad at and they're picking you. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. They're just picking somebody to be mad at. Well, because maybe if they're mad at you, they don't have to be mad at him for living at home at 42. In a family that yells a lot, they need a common thing. Right, right. 
And the thing is, kind of going back with what Sophia said, and you'd appreciate this, Anna, but it wasn't just like the mother, like eventually the whole family turned against me, which like you were saying, it's like a common thing. The grandmother, this 85-year-old woman that I would help in and out of a car that I ordered groceries for, said to me one day, you're very sarcastic. I don't like that. Followed by, I don't like the fact you went to sleep early on New Year's Eve. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like, lady, I have a job. I got to be up at 5 a.m. My days of staying up past midnight are far, far done, you know? This is a family who needs an enemy. That's insane. That's so illogical. So how frequently do you talk to your boyfriend, do you still call him your boyfriend? Not really. I just kind of refer to him by his name, but I do talk to him pretty much every other day or like every couple of days. And like uh, me seeing him, it's kind of in a distance now because I haven't seen him in like over a month because every time I do see him, I'm constantly told that I'm making wrong decisions by the people in my life. Oh, man. First, Carmela, I was like, we can do this. We can solve this. (laughs) Because I was like, you know what? She's really into this guy. He makes her feel safe and they connect and he's into her. They can overcome some things. But it is in these particular circumstances, until he has enough financial resource to extract himself from that living scenario, that is a big hurdle. And I don't know if you're going to get anywhere by telling him, you let me down in this way, and I love you, and I want things to work out, but here are the things that need to change, because I don't know if he's ready for it yet. Gosh, and that's the thing. Like, I, I realized because he's 42 years old, he has 42 years of conditioning in this insanity. Uh-huh. And I feel like every time I've spoken to him, we've had the same conversation a different way because I'll try to say to him something along the lines of, you know, the way your mother spoke to me was unforgivable. And he'll say something like, oh, you know, she talks out of her ass. She doesn't even realize what she says half the time. And I'm like, that doesn't make it okay. Right. Mm-mm. Right. And so two things that I think are really important. Yeah. Because look, I'm very annoyed at the double standard here and very right. obviously mad for you. And I am underneath all of the misogynistic anger, uh, you know, or or anger at the misogyny, rather. I'm a sucker for a love story, man. I get it. The reason Anna was like, do you think? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. But here's what I will say, because I'm, shocker, we've also been in some terrible relationships. Um, The thing that really was the aha moment for me, Carmela, was realizing I had to be in love with who a person is, not the potential that I recognize in them. Okay. You need to be really honest with yourself about what you see as his potential versus who he is. And maybe make two lists and see how they compare. Okay. Because who he is might be the thing that makes you go, oh, oh yeah, what I think he could be isn't the present reality. Right. And the other thing I'm going to say, and look, Anna, I don't know if you think this, you know, you are a mom. I don't know if this is maybe being a godparent and having best friends with kids and thinking about the kind of parent I want to be someday. But the idea that a kid would be raised to be yelled at like that is also very hard for me to deal with. And so I think you also have to ask yourself, If, as you guys have a conversation about whether or not you have a future, if he is unwilling to set a boundary with his family, if he is unwilling to set some ground rules for you, would he ever set ground rules for your kid? I don't even think he knows how. He doesn't even understand that terminology. Yeah, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. (laughs) He needs to go to therapy, really, is the point. 
for real. Carmela, if you decide this relationship is worth fixing, and I'm really not sure I'm hearing that it is, you might also need to talk with his mom. Yeah. Because I don't think your boyfriend is hearing it, which is another issue that should also be a warning. What you could do is call her and tell her all those nice things that you said about her in the beginning, that you used to go out to coffee, you viewed her as a really close friend. So it really, it hurts that you guys aren't nearly as close. Your feelings are kind of regularly hurt by the family and the way their family dynamics work. We have been living in this weird, extraordinary time, so it's really hard to have a fair assessment of much right now. Right. So... How does that sit with you? Honestly, no. <laughs> Honestly, no. Do you want me to? Sophia and I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You so. should do it. I'm going to be a loose cannon on this one. <laughs> I think the thing is, is that they're not seeing it like this at all. They're not gauging yeah. any of this shit. They're like, well, Carmela makes good money. You know, they've got all their baloney. So if you want to wade through that, it will take, like, patience and a supreme amount of kindness right. and flattery if you want to do it. It could be an interesting experiment if you could, like, imagine <laughs> yourself as, like, a kindergarten teacher. Right. Or in customer service. <laughs> right. But these patterns seem pretty solidified. Yeah. Right. But you've spent two years together. There were some right. awesome times. Like, maybe it is really worth that reach out, saying to his mom, like, I wish we were close like that again. Mm. You know, this whole pandemic has been so stressful for all of us. And I, right. I'm i not sure I always put my best foot forward. Like, you're going to have to say shit like that, Carmela. I'm really sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that conversation is, is possible. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know? Good. I'm well, sorry. yeah, then, no. No, no, no. I think this is then kind of an answer then. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I feel like these people should have been, you know, like kissing my ass, so to speak. And instead, I was just incredibly disrespected, like beyond belief for no reason. And honestly, I feel traumatized from the whole thing. As crazy as that sounds, I feel no, I feel traumatized. From it the doesn't whole thing. sound crazy, but you got to listen to that and, yeah. and value that. And look, I just think at the end of the day, what I'm hearing you say is that you were mistreated. You are very wounded and affected. Yeah. And look, I come back to what you said in the beginning, you know, you feel ready to settle down. So you picked a guy who's significantly older than you because you thought he wouldn't be a child. But baby girl, you picked a guy who <laughs> yeah. still lives in his mother's basement. Yeah. So maybe you need to pick a guy who's like 36 and doesn't live at home. Right. And see if that's better for you. Like, right. I don't know how much abuse you're supposed to endure to be with a person because the reality is when you marry somebody, you do. You marry their whole family, too. Yeah. And if you can't, you know, Anna, I think it's really great. It's a wise thing to say because it's also a pressure test. If you can't have a conversation with his mom, I don't see how you're supposed to be with him. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it sucks. And I'm really sorry you've gone through this. Yeah. I consider that whole thing to be like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, it was just. Like, I've tried to tell him from time and time again, like, I really don't think there's any coming back from this. And what does he say to that? To me, it sounds like I'm not even quite sure why I'm asking the question, because to me, it sounds <laughs> like he doesn't hear. Yeah. 
He's not listening at all because I'm not sure he knows how to. Like, he's a yeah. placator. He's in a pattern of placation. Like, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, I don't know. Is he the referee in the family? Well, well the thing is, he's <laughs> he's just been dealing with them for forever, so I don't even know. But apparently, how it works is the whole family kind of goes along with uh, Mother Dearest over there, and he's the one that doesn't. So obviously, they give him the most shit, and that's where more arguments come from than anything else. Mm-hmm. Has he ever said, yeah, Carmela, I get it. Has he attempted to see your point of view in a way that made you feel less crazy? That's the thing. He does understand it. And even when I moved out, he was literally like mad at me for like a day. And then he realized, yeah, holy shit, she had to like get out of here. So I don't want you to feel insane. I don't want you to feel miserable. And I think it's worth having a conversation with him, but my unqualified advice <laughs> is probably moving on. Does that make you feel horrible? Yeah. No, no, no. It's, you know what it is? It's just a reality I've kind of known I've had to face, but I'm just resistant to it, you know, mm. kind of nervous about jumping back into that again. Well, you have a little bit to assess. Yeah. But I'm really proud of you for all your accomplishments. Oh, thank you. Like, that is shit to celebrate. That is awesome. Listen, I think at the end of the day, we all work to be in families, and we all have to show up, and we all have to do that with humility and kindness. We have to be willing to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And I just don't think that you're meant to be screamed at and bullied in your own home. Exactly. So, I don't know. I wish I had like a happier thing, but the like cheerleader in me is like, you deserve better. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Carmela, I feel you. And sometimes the test of the quarantine in terms of a relationship means like, yeah, like Sophia just got engaged. I got married over quarantine. Wow. But sometimes and I know a lot of people who broke up. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. it was a pressure test. And listen, at the end of the day, I know this isn't the outcome you were hoping for. And also, I'm going to say, like, look, we've had a conversation for 45 minutes. You do you, but we just want you to take care of yourself. Exactly. But it's like, if you get clear about what you want and what you deserve, like, not to be so L.A., my God, but the universe will hear you. Yeah. So thank you for, like, showing up and telling us your story. and, And just don't forget what you're worth. Yeah. And you know what? My mom used to always say, be selfish in love. And I didn't understand what that meant for a long time. (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah. But it is like, you know, you take care of you and then you can love. Right. You know? Oh, man. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so very much. Good luck with everything. Truly. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye, Carmela. Bye. Oh, that sweet girl. I know. You are a loyal person. It is awesome. What a great quality. And you felt it. You did. You were like painting the picture. She was telling us her story and I was just like digging my fingernails into the couch. And it's like just the layered disrespect. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? And that the mom had the nerve to be like, well, you're just his girlfriend, not his wife. I'm like, well, if she's not his wife, why is she supposed to pay his rent, ma'am? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that set me up. I think also because... Like, I know that whole world. It's like, that's a lot of my, that's a lot of where I grew up. And oh man, oh man. I felt it. When it veers into that kind of toxicity, I'm like, uh uh-uh. 
I loved it. You're excellent. <laughs> You're excellent at this. Sophia, before I let you go, will you tell me about Good Sam? Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. That is actually why I'm coming to you today from Toronto, up here to shoot my new show. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier, this next adventure and endeavor, you know, despite some bad experiences, I've also had some phenomenal, incredible, like life-giving days on set where I, I love being a storyteller. And to come back to the right show, to a show like this one that is centered on the medical world, but doing it in a way I've never seen done before. And to be working for a really powerhouse group of women, Katie West, Joanna Klein, Jenny Ehrman. I'm so thrilled about this. And we'll be on in the spring on CBS. We're a mid-season show and we can't wait to rock everybody's world. I love that. Yeah. Will you tell me a little bit about your character? Yes. Oh, she's amazing. Her name is Samantha Griffith. The show's called Good Sam after her and kind of a play on the notion of the helpers, you know, the Good Samaritans. And Sam is a cardiothoracic surgeon and it is, ooh, it is a world to get into. Only 3% of all cardiothoracic surgeons in America are women. And she's a badass and she's smart and she's also awkward and anxious. Like I was reading the script and I was like, Someone has been in my brain. I do these awkward things. What is happening? <laughs> um, and I'm just having such a great time playing her and playing with all these wonderful people who I get to go to work with every day. I love that. I bet you find a lot of fulfillment in playing a really nuanced, complex character, which is kind of the beauty of getting older. You get to play. They tend to be a little more, there's a little more to chew on. Don't you think? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, you're not just like football player's girlfriend. You get to really be a whole interesting human. And so I'm I'm loving it. Sophia, thank you so much for doing this today in your busy thank day. You. I so appreciate it. I love you and I'm really happy for you. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. Congrats to you, you wifey. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Bye, Sophia. All right, my dear. Thank you so much. 